1: It was, that was a wild game. And uh, depending on who you're rooting for, you can say that that team had to win that game three different times or the other team had to lose the game three different times. But it was, that was as good and fun and entertaining an NBA game when I was, you know, in about as daubed down a sports mood as I've been put in in a very, very long time, thanks to what happened on Monday Night Football. It was such a, a welcome kiss on the cheek from, sports which look last night sports wasn't an awful lot of fun until it reminded you at the very end of the night if you were watching the Warriors game how much fun it can actually be and uh, that that was fantastic Kevon Looney at the buzzer you had Clay Thompson with a Clay 2.0 career high of 54 last night uh, huge threes were hit and just to pay tribute to uh Ralph Barbieri, whenever I can. Two things can be equally true. Huge threes were hit, Ray, and way too many threes were taken in that game on the way to hitting a few huge threes when they needed to be hit. That was a wild one
4: last night. Everything that has been good and bad about the Warriors was on display last night. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Very simply, uh, they, they were hilariously entertaining, but they were also reminding you that their stuff's not close to fixed yet you know they for you know for long stretches of that game they were hopeless you know they couldn't defend the Atlanta Hawks who are as listless a team as the league is churning up this year Uh, they a lot of inadvised shots their a lot of their possessions were absolutely wasted and yet at the end just because you know There are times when this truly is a make or miss league they made just enough shots and i will say one other thing if you are trying to keep up with a warrior game by looking at twitter and seeing warrior fans react to things you'll blow your brains out you should never be on twitter when the warriors are playing if you're interested in finding out what the warriors are doing put your computer down watch the game make your own judgments because those people are insane. Oh, there's crazy people
1: all over the internet. There's,
4: no, but the, no, but, no, but this is, you know, listening to people screaming literally within the same minute about how Jordan Poole is one of the great players of all time. And he's one of the worst players this year. Yeah, same people saying the same stuff. You just go, why do these people pay attention? They, they, they've
1: they got Tourette's. You can't evaluate a basketball game by the possession. <laughs> no. And you can't even really evaluate a basketball team by the game. Somebody was like, you know, Clay could have had 70, but Poole was hogging. There's no doubt Poole should have absolutely been looking for Clay in a couple of moments where he wasn't. Uh, there's absolutely also no doubt to the fact that Jordan Poole is. Jordan Poole is every single fundamental tool needed to be a great scorer in this league. As soon as he possesses whatever tool that is going to allow him to just slow down a little. Well, to be a good player. Jordan Poole, he just needs to slow down a little bit. The old John Wooden saying, you know, be quick, but don't hurry. He's hurried way too often. It's great no, that he's quick, no, but it, he is way too hurried. No, it's who he is, though. That's the that's the long-term problem with Jordan Poole. He's still young enough to have it. it there's, there's a coachability inherently, I believe, in him... Where he'll figure it out. I I do think that that light switch is somewhere on his wall. The Warriors are the right team to maybe figure it out. Maybe he'll find it himself.
4: Maybe, but he's now had enough minutes and enough experiences where this shouldn't be the the issue that it is. Um, I mean, last night, you know, you're taking 31 shots, and yeah, it's double overtime, but. How many of those were good ideas? You know, it's not that he only made eleven of them. Guys will have good nights shooting and bad nights shooting. How many of those shots were optimizing the the, the possession? Not very many of them, and that's the maddening thing about him. And that I don't know if that's thing, something that can you could be that can be coached out of you. I mean, I I think the 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 jury is still very much out on how effective a player he can be is he a scorer sure but being a scorer is not nearly enough if you're the best scorer you can be you're carmelo anthony and you never come close to sniffing a title or you're dominique williams and never come close to being the impactful player you could be you know there are there are levels at this game and jordan Poole is at a level where yeah he can take care of himself now can he take care of others because that's the next jump, and this is not about whether Jordan Poole was good last night or not. The Warriors, in general, were incredibly erratic. They just happened to be really fun, and it ended up well for them at the end. Look, I mean, you, but if you, I mean, if you want fun, Donovan Mitchell kicked the ass out of fun last night. Oh
1: well, we'll we'll talk about that because we have a rule on this show. You get name-checked every time you drop seventy-one. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll bring you up yeah. the following day. But
4: that's, but that's not well. I, I'll save it. But there, there was a great stat out of that game. that
1: I'm looking, looking forward to it. 888-957-9570. This is Vince in San Jose. Hello, Vince. You're on with Damon and Rado.
3: Hey. Hey, Damon Rado. Good to talk to you guys. What's up? So, I want to, to talk about uh, Jordan Poole a little bit. Uh, you, you go over his stat line. Sure, he, you know, 11 for 31 from the field. But you also got to look at two from 12 for three. And, you know, the Warriors were extremely lucky to come out with the victory last night, giving up a 21-point lead, uh, playing very listless in the third quarter, times in the fourth quarter. Um, but my question, I, I think Jordan Poole can be an extremely effective player. The thing with the Warriors is once they hit teams as a full unit, meaning once Wiseman is healthy, Once Curry's 100%, once Wiggins is 100%, you know, that's when the damage really happens. Um, Hey, we're so lucky last night. I mean, this is why I don't bet on games because, heck, I wouldn't even enjoy the sport. And, you know, we all love basketball so much. Hey, it's my favorite sport. But, wow, what a roller coaster last night. The Warriors were extremely lucky.
1: They were lucky. They were lucky. And sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. It's always better to be lucky than good. I mean, I'll take I'll take good and lucky.
4: Oh no, well good and lucky is unbeatable. You know, it's still undefeated after all these years. But if you had if you had a choice, there are a lot of good players who aren't lucky and they end up going home early. Luck is great.
1: Last night Steve Kerr was talking about winning a game they probably should not have won.
4: That was kind of what we talked about early in the season, was that we're going to get some games back. And Mike Dunleavy turned to me after the game and said, that's payback for the Utah game in Salt Lake. You usually lose a game or two like that and win a game or two like that during the course of the season. And tonight was our night to to pull one out. But I think there's a reason that things are going our way right now. We're we're playing tougher. We're hanging in there. In general, we're doing a better job not fouling. We had two reaches on Trey Young down the stretch. I think it was the end of the first First overtime can't remember exactly the time frame but allowed the game to keep going i think if we don't reach there we probably wrap up the game or make him make a tough shot so the fouling kind of got to us in the second half but for the most part during this winning streak we're playing smarter we're playing tougher we're sticking together
1: you had the frenetic game you had a, a game that is now in double overtime his guys pushing minute limits you had fatigue You have star power fatigue. The Warriors don't have nearly the amount of star power that they're normally accustomed to without Wiggins or Curry even dressing, getting out there. But the big Ragu hitting a huge, huge three right there. Draymond, he knocked down a massive three and maybe played his best defensive game of the season. And he was also as sloppy at the end as Jordan Poole was. Draymond tried to dribble two, three times off of his shin. He just was able to keep his fingertips on the ball. Last night was just one of them wild games. And sometimes you get into a wild game. Uh, Kavon Looney missing a bunny. Only to come back down and knock down the bunny that was the game winner as the time was expiring, basically. It was... That was nuts. And look, Jordan Poole, I'm just going to say this right now. It feels like he does take stuff off the table when he's putting stuff on the table. I think he puts more on the table than he takes off. I really do. I don't think the Warriors would be interested in trading Jordan Poole unless the package were so overwhelming uh, that I I wouldn't go trading Jordan Poole. I I, I do see him for what he is, but I also see what he might be, what he still could be, and what he could be is a guy... Who's getting 32 a night in this league one day? I mean, that is not an easy to replace skill set. He's got a level of like he he's almost it's almost a level of psychopath that he keeps on shooting in poor shooting situations, but shooters got to shoot. Shooters got to shoot. Does he need to make better choices? Yes, he does, but I think he's a better playmaker than just pure scorer. I think he's got more wiggle into his game than Steph Curry has ever had. He's got more different ways to score than a lot of guys in this league will ever possess. There's something going on with Jordan Poole that is a special player coming. If he can tighten, batten down the hatches in a few other ways. And I, I, I know we should probably feel like we should be there by now. We should be there by on him by now. But he's going to work on his own timeline. He's not going to meet our timelines. And obviously, if he wasn't in the timeline last night, the Warriors would have lost that game. But because he was in the timeline, they were also able to win it too. Jordan Poole, he is six rebounds and five assists and two steals with all the other things that he was also. he Look, did he totally miss Clay in a moment where he should have given the ball up? Yep. Did he dribble the ball directly off his knee, which should have led to them losing? Yup, that all happened. But there's just, look at it this way. There is enough interesting in Jordan Poole where I think for those who want to throw up their hands, saying like, I'm done you know, plumbing this well for what it might produce, you're nuts. That kid is an NBA first class degree potential scorer. And the only one in a Warriors uniform, who can even give you a a modicum of, I'm sort of replacing Steph Curry in the aggregate tonight. Because as great as Clay was last night, I don't know if he can do that over and over and over again. We'll talk more about that in just a second. We got a lot more along the way this afternoon. The merch store is open. Check out the relevant t-shirt. It's the Brock Purdy t-shirt, and it's our best. It really is. 957thegameshop.com.
3: You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp and refreshing taste. Or if you overcame, two more
0: two tour. more.
3: You deserve this ice cold reward. Modello, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crowley Port Chicago, Illinois.
1: Now back to Damon and Ratto on 95-7 the game. double overtime win. No, no,
4: 141. 141. Did I say 101? Oh, sorry.
1: Uh, They won
4: by 42 in
1: overtime. Man, they got high at the right time. Uh, They averaged eight points a minute. It was nuts. Uh, You should have been there. Now, look, what's crazy is the Warriors win a game in which they missed 43s. They took a, a, a franchise most... 59 threes last night if you would have ever told me that would have happened in a game that Steph Curry wasn't knocking down 12 or 13 on his own doing that I'd I'd that no they're not going to do that but they did that last night it wasn't the way anyone would draw it up <laughs> that that was not the way the coaches planned that one to go down and look the, the Warriors had that game in hand they were they were sitting on top of the Atlanta Hawks until the Hawks dropped a 42.3rd quarter on them. Then all of a sudden, they're in full-on scramble mode. So it got a little jittery. It got nuts. Uh, We have player minute totals of 46, 44, 45, 45. I mean, the guys really overextended themselves in a game which the Warriors were able to win. And that was nuts. And it was fun. Gavon Looney. Now, the biggest bucket at the end man really of his regular season life that was that's that's kavan getting it done and his ability to look like he's in no shape for an NBA player yet somehow maybe be the guy who's you know in the second or third best shape on this team his conditioning's unreal it really is for a big guy he doesn't tire out he just keeps coming. Um, I mean, he's ex- he's in extraordinary
4: shape, but he's slow and he's creaky. It's not about his conditioning. It's about the fact that he's leaving auto parts behind him every time he runs down the floor. What do
1: they say? Uh, you
4: got to have quick twitch to play in the league? He doesn't. No, he, he's not a quick what? twitch he's, player. He's a classic old school big guy in that he gets where he needs to get, but he's not going to get there in a hurry. But once he gets there, things will happen. 20 rebounds. 20 rebounds last night for Kevon Looney. Well, it's not like he lacked options. I mean, the way those guys were jacking up shots on both teams. If he didn't get 20, you'd have to wonder.
1: 888 This is Jimmy. Jimmy in Bayview. Thank you, Jimmy. You're on 957 the game. What do you got?
2: Hey, guys. Great show. Um, I was just trying to back you up, Damon, on what you were saying. Like, this team is a different team you know, they don't need to be coming down and jacking threes in the first three seconds of the possession. I think this team has like a pit bull mentality grinded out. They're getting to the foul line more than, you know, most warrior teams have in the past. And I think Steve Kerr needs, needs to like adjust the rules for like uh, someone like Jordan Poole or something like that. Like for every three you take, you got to go inside because this isn't the, you know, 50% shooting three-point team of the past. and But I like I like the identity that this team has, and I think they need to embrace it more. Thanks, guys.
1: Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Look, I mean, th- this game doesn't need to go to overtime or double overtime last night if the Warriors got the job done from the free-throw line. They were 16-24 last night from the free-throw line. That's 66%, 67%. Uh, that, that that's going to make it's going to make you know other teams linger. You know knock down your freebies. Well, but they're not
4: you know they're not close to being complete or whole. So you know they're doing this by the seat of their pants. This is not some sort of master plan that Steve Kerr has suddenly drawn up to this is the way we want to play. Right. No, this is not this is yeah. not an evaluation of who they are. No. I mean this is, you know, try to try to keep your shoes and pants on until your team comes back you know and it is fascinating to me that even as they hit the halfway point they are still almost invincible at home even when they look the way they looked last night and ghastly on the road that you would think would start reverting to the mean at some point but it hasn't they don't win on the road and they don't lose at home and that's why they're where they are now 28 20 and 18
1: it's also why Draymond Green doesn't sound like a total lunatic when he's talking like this after a game. It's to get it, like I said, we get in the playoffs. I told you all this before. We get in the playoffs. I don't care who we play or what seed we are. Don't nobody want to play
3: against us in the playoffs. So we just got to continue to get better, embrace the process of improving each and every day uh, and understanding that a championship is not one in December, it's not one in January, nor is it one in April, beginning of April. Then you start your track mid-April. But we are... Always going to keep an eye, one eye open on it. Uh, just as competitors, but at the same time, we don't come in here. Any say, hey, man, we're right here in the standings. And such, we don't. Um, we come in and try to get better each and every day, and go from there.
1: I mean, who wants to play the Warriors in the postseason? The answer is officially nobody. But if you got home f- home court, and the Warriors don't, for the first time. We got a bigger question than ever before because they have to figure this out on the road. I wouldn't put it past them to do that, though. I really wouldn't. I mean, when you're talking about, well, you know, how does this team get better? Well, it's really not up to the starting five to make this team better. Starting five has been getting the job done all year long. Dante DiVincenzo becoming a better Golden State Warrior needs to happen for them to improve. And you know what? That's happening. Anthony Lamb... I, he's a player, man. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I used to say, why is this guy on the court? Why are they throwing him out there before guys that they drafted in the lottery? For goodness sakes, the reason is is because when he's out there, he makes good choices and he hustles and he gets the, he's he's their garbage man this year. Maybe we saw enough from Patrick Baldwin Jr. last night to buy him a few more minutes down the road. Uh, Ty Jerome is a is is a Steve Kerr love letter that he needs to stop writing to himself he's he's fallen way too much in love with Ty Jerome but even he's played well over this handful of games where he's needed to play more I'll give him that but it's a
4: look they're not banking on Ty Jerome to be anything but he's a decision maker like you said and that's what they need right now more than anything else they need guys who can make decisions last night was not a night for that last night was a pie fight uh, and you're not going to, you know, you're not going to have games like that very often, and you're not going to do well when it's a pie fight. Not with this team. And it's, you know, they they managed to to have that game against a team that bad at home, which is why they win by two instead of lose by two or lose by eight. I mean, last night is one more anomaly, like a bunch of their games this year. They, they haven't been who they are for very much at all this season, which is why they still are, you know, when you look at their, their line in the standings, they're 20 and 18 in the most improbable way you can be, which is they can't do anything if they're not on their home floor. And yet, when they're on their home floor, they could do everything. And yeah. last night was just sort of this, Hilarious car crash that kept happening over and over again, and they just
1: happened to win the last car crash. And even though it wasn't pretty, games like that, I think, are really good for a lot of guys' development. I think that's just one of those, you know, Jordan Poole might not rewatch a few games. I bet you he rewatched his moments of last night's game to see what good he did and what wrong he did, and hopefully he learns from it. That's a game that makes Jordan Poole ultimately a better basketball player down the road in his career. The same way, and we haven't even really touched on this yet, the Las Vegas Raiders did one of the best favors to the 49ers that any team has been able to do for the 49ers. That is exactly the game the 49ers needed to play. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, Ray, I was saying, you know, how to best land the rocket ship? Wouldn't it be great in these, you know, feel- less than ultimately meaningful got to have them games because you've already locked up a home game in the playoffs. Now, you know, who knew that there is a possibility that still could be the one seed actually out there for them. But that's a game that I was saying, you know, it'd be great if Brock Purdy were put into a you're down by two scores situation before he finds himself in that actual situation in the postseason. Like, How he responds in that moment is a a good thing to solve before you actually get to that playoff moment. And man, I I thought in a game where he had his merits and demerits, he showed you that he is not going to be afraid of that moment. I thought that that was an excellent near disaster for the 49ers in Las Vegas. It really was. He
4: showed why he was picked in the seventh round. And he was sort of what he's been. Um, the thing that I took away from that was not so much his play, but the fact that all of a sudden somebody's figured out a way to tear their defense up. I mean, and the thing that jumped out at me was the way the Raiders sort of liberally used the inside screen, which you almost never see anymore, you know, with Josh Jacobs and ran wild with it. You know, that sometimes that defensive line gets so keyed up on rushing the passer that if you just say, Okay, take a couple of steps in, then we'll come in behind you. And you can't you can't react fast enough. And I think that's the the, the biggest takeaway is that the Raiders, as bad as they are, as dispirited as they are, as goofy as they are, figured out a way that other teams can exploit how to beat them, like I thought,
1: you know what? but I didn't think but I' if it didn't were just think... that but if it were just as simple as put it on film and give everyone a, a guide now to how to do it, we would have seen a lot more rough outings post Kansas City. That was no. look, there have been two quarterbacks who have kicked the 49ers defenses asses this year. One is one of the greatest living breathing football players of all time, and Patrick Mahomes. The other's Jared Stidham. But it wasn't so much Stidham, It was play design. Well, it was a because, great game plan. Well,
4: no, well, what I'm saying is that's why this matters. Because all of a sudden, Minnesota, who I wouldn't think has much of a chance against the 49ers, they have the one running back that they could do things with that way. Well, and
1: they got a Devontae Adams,
4: too. Well, no, no they, Devontae Adams, fine, but they didn't beat him with Devontae Adams. They beat him with with Josh Jacobs. You know, they, they gashed him because they. They operated inside the gap that nobody else has been able to figure out how to exploit. And I don't know that there are many teams that can do that. But all of a sudden, I'm looking at Dalvin Cook and thinking, you know, Kevin O'Connell could figure out something like this. I don't know if Philadelphia can. And I don't know. I mean, Dallas has a shot because they've got Pollard who can catch the ball out of the backfield and they can run it with, uh, with Elliott. You know, all of a sudden, there are ways to... To go at the 49ers at the the strength that everybody thinks is invulnerable, which is that defense, and especially that defensive interior. I mean, I thought it was a revelation yesterday. And, you know, with all credit to the 49ers for rolling up 37, they've been rolling up a lot of numbers offensively. A lot of the ways that they did in 2019, when they, you know, everybody talked about, yeah, the offense isn't quite what it ought to be. They had one of the great years in the history of the NFL offensively in terms of points scored. Um, I think their offense is fine because Christian McCaffrey, you know, you know, covers all bets. But the defense was the thing that they won games with. And yesterday they won a game despite the fact that their defense got exposed to a certain extent.
1: I think that's a good exercise to go through. I think it was good for the overall team's playoff picture than to just own every quarter, no problems at all, everything is on schedule, the defense is unbendable, unbreakable, I think it was good to get the scare that they got and how often do you get to say this? The Raiders' game plan was extraordinary. <laughs> it was. It truly was. Especially that opening drive where every play action, every pocket breakdown that came with an exit path built in for Stidham. And he just made the right decision over and over again. That middle screen of Josh Jacobs. I mean, it was 7 nothing Raiders. And they hit everything early. And then they kept on hitting it. Then they kept on hitting it. And, you know, it's... I don't think they've discovered anything that the best way to slow down an imposing pass rush is with a screen game. But boy, they but, they did it. But nobody
4: does that anymore. You, you don't see screen passes the way you used to. It, that's almost been phased out of the game. And it was one of it. It spoke to me of one of the reasons why Josh McDaniels got hired, because I think in some ways he's a mini Belichick in that you put him in a room with a projector. And he could figure out ways to beat you all the time. He's not a great tactical coach, and I don't think he's a very good people coach. But I think when you just make it an academic exercise, he could figure out stuff like that. He's got X's and O's. Yeah, I think he's got loads of those. He just doesn't have the rest of it. And the truth is, yesterday, the 49ers got X'd and O'd.
1: Two days ago. It was more than yesterday.
4: That's right. Time sure flies when you're not having fun. But... That was a thing that that I just said, can Kevin O'Connell do that? Can Mike McCarthy do that? Because none of the wildcard teams are going to be able to do that. You know, could Tom Brady do that? Well, they don't have a running game. You know, Leonard Fournette is a better threat coming out of the backfield than he is taking a handoff. And they're not very good around that. But all of a sudden, there are live teams that the 49ers could struggle with because of what we saw the other day.
1: Jason in San Mateo. Thanks for listening, Jason. What do
3: you got? Hey, first, I want to say, hey, I don't think the Niners got exposed. It's just the Niners and Raiders give us what we like all the time it is it is good football between them two. But that being said, I want to go with my Warriors right here. So, my uh, Steve Curry and Draymond Green, I feel like they needed uh, Wiggins and Curry to get injured just so they can start dwelling, dwelling with, the, with the bench. And the bench is doing so good as starters right now. I don't even think, you know, Wiggins and, and Curry should come back right away, taking their starting spot, starting start spot back. Even though that belongs to them, it gives the bench so much boost and confidence when they get back to see, keeping this uh, win streak going. They needed to get kicked in the mouth by New York and and, uh, and Kevin Durant for this to happen. That's
1: like all that. I Well, th- look, Jason. Thank you for the call. The minute Wiggins and Curry are available to start a game, they'll be starting a game. There, there is no doubt about that. But the the gist of what I think you were the the point that you were trying to convey is that this these hard times are going to come out good in the wash for the Golden State Warriors because that bench needed more priming more exercise, more development, more reps. I yeah, I, I totally agree. I do see the merits of having how about this? Is there a bigger security blanket than Steph Curry? The answer is no, except maybe Andrew Wiggins. And so now you're down double your security blankets. Clay Thompson. Like, God bless him. For those who want to say, you know, no, like, Clay has officially stuffed it down the throat of everyone who says that he was washed, that he was doing. Let's see where this goes. Let's see where this goes. Because I really do believe that Clay Thompson needs to put more than 10 good games together before he's Clay Thompson again. Now, could he put 10 good games together was one of the questions. Has he answered that question? Yes. Can 10 games become a month? Can months become a half? That's the question. I thought John Dickinson, who I was doing, what, a a face-off with Friday. You weren't here, Ray. Uh, The the Friday before we all went to break, I came in to wish Happy New Year to both John Dickinson and and Guru. He was in for Steinenson. And J.D. said it perfectly, I think. I want to give him all the credit in the world for saying, clearly, Clay Thompson, with one of the purest jump shots ever, is going to have nights where that jump shot's fallen. The question is, can he summon it anytime he wants? I don't know if Clay is I can summon greatness. The way a snake charmer will summon the cobra out of the basket by playing the right tune. I don't know if he can just get it whenever he needs it. I don't know how about game six Clay is still in Clay Thompson. Can Clay make it arrive in game six? You know, that's that's really the question. He's still got the goods. Can he show it to you whenever they need it the most?
4: I don't know that there are very many guys in the league that are like that. Curry is one of them. Giannis is one of them. Luka. Luka has his nights where he's not nearly close enough. Jokic can do it. Durant can do it. Maybe Jason Tatum. Maybe Kyrie. Maybe Kyrie. Yeah, I mean, the truth is... LeBron can do it. LeBron, well, yeah, he can still do it, man. But you know That's what? Big games lately. He, he's yes, and who's not been on the floor? Anthony Davis. Yeah, you know, it's. Just, I think the question is, can he summon it on command? I think very few players can summon it on command, and that may be more of an ask than is reasonable. But he can give you that game. You might not be able to do it on, you know, on order, but very few players can do it on order. You know, it just nights happen. And that's the one thing that I think, you know, people have always imagined about Clay Thompson that he can do this whenever he wants. And I don't know that offensively he's ever been able to do it whenever he wants. What made him such an asset is that he can do it often. But on the other end, you can't, you know, he's always going to be a massive plus because he takes that away from you. And that's where the question for me really is, is how close to full-on Clay Thompson can he be at the other end of the floor? Because that's when he becomes the difference maker that he was before the injuries.
1: Well, and you know, Clay talked about and, and I always thought one of the, one of the greatest merits, you know, player comes with merits and demerits. One of the greatest merits of Clay Thompson, his entire career, his not his, been a, his ability to tune out the noise, but to just be purely above it. Like it doesn't, it can't even reach him, even if it wanted to. Like Clay did not hear what fans were saying. He didn't hear what critics were saying. He didn't hear a fair assessment or an unfair assessment of his abilities or talents and he even brought that up by saying he got a little too wrapped up in the noise around him and he is turned away from it which has allowed him to control himself a little bit more i definitely am more relaxed than i was beginning i think the beginning i was just so eager to be back to those big nights like tonight and
2: proving whoever wrong that i'm still great and uh now i just like it's going by so fast we're almost the halfway point and After this year, there's only one year left on my deal. So it's like, I just told myself like, man, I gotta enjoy every day in a Warriors uniform. Like this is such a incredible position to be in as defending champions and to see the banners
1: we've hung and just the brand that's been built here. I mean, I just had to remind myself daily, like this is literally a dream I'm living. And what matters most is just having fun and playing hard. All the numbers, all the big nights will come as long as I do those two things. Sounds like he's... Getting back to where he needs to be mentally. Yeah, because he was listening to
4: it. He was listening to all of it. He was. And first of all, he was listening to himself. Then he was listening to people assessing him listening to himself. Uh, and that was unusual for him. And he always had the cover of Curry and Green. So he didn't have to sort of examine his place in the universe. And then once he did, as happens to a lot of guys, thinking paralyzes you. Now if he can go back to that sort of cruise control type of game where he doesn't have to think about what he's doing, why he's doing it or who's going to like what he's doing, yeah, he'll be fine. But that's hard to do. I mean, especially once you've started to do it and fallen into that habit. That'll be the most interesting thing about Thompson is, can you be th- can you be the guy who's oblivious to all the noise outside? Cuz Yeah, since he
1: came back, he has not been able to. Our longest commercial-free segment of the entire show is coming up next. And we're 18 minutes away from saying hello to the Hall of Famer himself, Michael Irvin, joins us normally on a Monday. But today, Tuesday, is our Monday. Here on Damon and Ratto, we're brought to you by Fremont Bank, full-service banking, no compromises, Michael Irvin, in less than 20 minutes. Back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. Everything we do, our best content. You can find it all on YouTube. Search 95.7 The Game. Click subscribe. You get it all. Of course, go to the Odyssey app, it's all there as well. Damon and Ratto with you. It's good to be back. A lot of people getting back to work today, leaving work for that first time since you went on the holiday break welcome back it's good to have you happy new year all right enough of that nonsense we got 12 minutes between us and michael Irvin. he's joining us at five o'clock today to talk about everything that the 49ers did obviously in las vegas a couple of other things that happened around the league as well what Derek carr's future might actually look like because that's a it's just a look man i we'll have much more on the 49ers here with michael irvin we'll obviously start by the scariest thing we've ever seen collectively on a football field what happened last night demar hamlin I, by the way i have been refreshing all sorts of you know points of information to bring you the very latest on demar hamlin and there there is no new news there is no new news uh, on his status and what he you know, is going through. We just, we do not know. The only thing I can tell you is this, is that the UC University of Cincinnati Trauma Center, Ray, is a top tier trauma center. It is a level one trauma center. Like there are people who get into horrific car crashes in Indiana and in Kentucky and in Ohio not necessarily, you know, the Cincinnati area who get flown to that hospital because the level of care in that hospital is extraordinary. So he could not be in a better place. And that's the only good news I have, because that's the only thing I really know about the situation is he's in the right place. Yeah he's, in, yeah, he's in one of the right places
4: because most big cities have a trauma center or a heart center like that, but you see is among them. So yeah. if if there is such thing as best possible care,
1: I will presume he's getting it. Absolutely. And we, you know wish him nothing but the best and the story that so many people have shared about the fundraising, his GoFundMe, where he humbly wanted to what? Raise about twenty five hundred dollars to buy Christmas presents for at risk, needy kids in the greater Buffalo era has raised over $4 million to this point. The NFL community has absolutely circled its wagons. That community involves an awful lot of fans from every single team in the league who have reached out to make the simplest, humblest $2, 3 $5 donation. And it all adds up and it's added up to a, an incredible amount of hopefully goodwill and the good juju is all around him.
4: I haven't heard yet what the two teams are going to do. I mean, it would seem to me that given the, the rallying around this situation, that the Bengals and the Bills could, you know, fire up something based on just the receipts from last night's game. You know, just, you know, yes, his... His medical bills will be covered because that's part of, you know, the contract with the union. But beyond that, you know, you could set up trust funds for his family members. You know, you can, there's a lot that the teams can do. So far, yeah, individual fans have come up huge. But I'm waiting for the teams too. Because I think they have an obligation here. Just out of human decency. I think it's coming.
1: I'd be surprised. I, I'm, I'm, surprised, surprised, I'm
4: surprised it hasn't arrived yet. I guess is what I'm saying. I mean, maybe that, that they feel it's not the like, time to be taking a bow. You know? No, no, not taking a bow. Just saying, look, here's money. You know, we we don't. You know, we're with you in every way possible, and here's part of it. Because, quite frankly, what you know, they they've got the money for a game they didn't put on, and it just seems like. That should be almost instinctive. And I'm not yelling at them for not doing something fast enough.
1: But I guess I am yelling at them for not doing fa- something fast enough. Because that seems easy to me. Well, everyone was yelling at the NFL last night for not canceling that game fast enough. And I understand that some T's oh. need to be crossed and I's need to be dotted. But one of the misconstrued things that a lot of fans expressed you know, on social media was, you know, this, this is in the hands of the on-field officials. They need to make the call. No, nothing could be further from the truth. They can't make an, an illegal motion call without checking with New York. New York is, and and not even New York. New York is way too inexpensive of a region to say that this is where the decision lied. The decision lied on one man's desk, Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell is the only person who can cancel a football game, an NFL game. The only person. He has sole decision-making abilities. And the on-field officials last night, I'm sure, were probably as in their own minds and in their own hearts as the players and the coaches were, and they didn't even want to go forward last night. It's been reported that based on a variety of reports, the NFL did not make the decision to suspend that Bills and Bengals game. Rather, it was the players, the captains, and the coaches, specifically Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor, who said, no more tonight. And that's just it. And a real good way to get someone else hurt in a football game is to not have everyone's head in that game. And based on the stoppage of play and how long it took, and the chaos that comes with watching frantic CPR being applied. It, there was, I, look, I'm one of the ultimate meatheads. Let's go, keep playing. I, I, that's who I am, in that guy in my heart, I am. My heart did not even tell me to do that last night. No, I, I think what happened last night is very simple.
4: The injury happens. The NFL essentially says okay when this gets cleared up tell them they got five minutes to warm up and then we're gonna go again somebody told Joe Buck that and he
1: announced it based on the fact that it came right. from somebody credible he was given a five-minute warning which is why he shared it because he was preparing his audience yes for what was so, coming up next and that didn't
4: come from
1: downstairs no you know that came from New York
4: and then all of a sudden Now the officiating crew has to walk over to Sean Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor and say, this is what they're telling us. And they said, well, I don't care what they're telling us. We're not doing it. My players aren't ready. I'm not ready. Nobody should be ready for this. We're not playing tonight. And I think they went back with that information and then cobbled together that presser later last night where Troy Vincent from the league office had to say, oh, no, nobody ever told them there was going to be a five-minute warm-up. That's nonsense. They didn't pull this out of thin air. They didn't realize how serious this was because they were 800 miles away. And they just assumed, well, you, just, you, know, you take them off field, you get back to work, back to business. But the boots on the ground, which were the players and coaches, made that decision and made the league adhere to it. They because had- you know what? You can't have a game
1: if players and coaches aren't willing to perform. Yeah, they had the uh, that remote camera, the suspended camera, you know in, in, in you know in, in the bowels of the stadium and once you saw players walking around without their pads on i knew what the decision was players don't take their pads off for delays they they don't they they, they just don't do that once you see multiple players walking around maybe one guy might say all right get me out of these things if i got 20 minutes to get out of them but when you see player after player after player just walking around in their Under Armour and their T-shirts, it was pretty much evident to me what was going to happen. Everything you heard from Lisa Salters last night was her basically saying, we're done here, folks, without her actually saying, we're done here, folks. No,
4: I, I Yeah, I mean, the, the players, when they took their pads off, they already knew what was going to happen because they, they were the ones making the decision. These fights said, uh, don't even ask. And again, to their credits, Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor, who could have been football meatheads and just said, no, no, we have to play because the game must be played. They let their humanity be their guide. He said, I can't look at what I just looked at and function. So no, thank you. Fine us, suspend us, you know. Make us forfeit the game. Make us both forfeit the game. We're in this together. And that was the thing that was most impressive to me, is that they came together almost immediately, and you said, I'm not up for this. You? No, nah, I'm not up for it
1: either. Let's not do it. And I think this was this is what player empowerment actually is. Well, and the Bengals had more to play for. Like, not that we need yeah. to score one against the other, but Zach Taylor almost gets more credit than Sean McDermott here, because Zach Taylor had incentive to need that game more than the Buffalo Bills did. Yeah, but he... But, again,
4: you know, it's not... The fact that they... He didn't want to try to make an argument. He came up to Sharon McDermott and essentially said, what do you need? Which is the right, mm, yeah. the right way to go. I mean, about it. you know, I don't want to know how this went down because at some point it's going to turn into who gets credit and who doesn't. Right. But right now... They get credit for not impeding their team's wills to simply walk away for a night. And to their to their credit, the league has not tried to shoehorn this game into a Thursday night, you know, and have these two teams play, you know, three times in eight days.
1: Right. You would talk about player safety in one breath and spit on it in the next. Yeah. That no, which be they doing would that. Yeah. they <laughs> would cheerfully do that. But I
4: think that, you know, they know a, a on top of everything else, the optic is awful. You know, you can't already look like you want business to conclude as usual. When all you're arguing about is a buy in the first round.
1: I don't know how it. many It's not worth it. I don't know how many people remember what was Michael Irvin's last career game. He laid on the turf at the vet for an incredible amount of time. It's like one of the longest in-game stoppages I've I can ever remember actually watching because I was watching that game and getting booed the whole the entire yeah, time yeah yeah because Philly's got a Philly somebody here on the uh, on the text line says how could they even restart the game like what if there was another you know, traumatic event and the trauma team was no longer even at the stadium. That's a great point. I mean, yeah, yeah. How many ambulances were there to take a player to a hospital? I'm guessing one. What if it wasn't there and something else happened? It's a very good point. I hadn't even considered. Um, We don't need to consider any more speculation. I want to go right into the mind of a man who lived in his entire life in a football uniform uh, Michael Irvin joins us next as we enter our five o'clock hour.
0: Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively.
1: Sports.
2: The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and I even know 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 what you know know
0: know. podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here.